We've been in the series this month for Christmas called A Glorious Mess, and we've been talking about it because life doesn't come at you in straight lines and neat little packages. We, we talked during this series that messes happen. That's just a fact and a part of life. It doesn't make you unique or worse than anybody else. It just makes you human. And messes come, but the good news is that he is with us. Jesus walks with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us, even in the middle of our mess. In fact, our mess is exactly why he came to earth. And last week, we, we looked at this concept that we are all, just like the shepherds went and announced the good news or didn't announce anything, and they just stood here and looked at each other. No matter what they did, we are all unlikely carriers of good news. We have a message that we can carry out to the world about what Jesus has done. And uh, this week, as I was thinking about our, our glorious mess and wrapping things up for Christmas, have you ever made a mess that you tried to clean up yourself and it got worse? Anybody in the room resonate with that? I see at least three hands. So you guys, the rest of you aren't telling me the truth. Sometimes we make messes, just like on the screen here. Have you ever, oh, I spilled the paint. And then I just took the rag and tried to wipe it up. And the next thing you know, everything in the room is green. Or I may not be allowed to share this example, but we may have had a very real example with a can of tomato soup last night in our kitchen. And it, it literally, we said, man, I'm cleaning this up, and it just got worse. There's not, next thing you know, it's on everything around it. And that's, <laughs> paint is really a good example of making a mess in our lives. Ella thought it would be a good idea. Woo! There I am. Ella thought it would be a great idea to use her comb on her hair. Um, so Ella starts winding her comb in her hair, and I couldn't relate to this mess. But for some reason, uh, she thought it would be great to just keep twisting and twisting and twisting her comb in her hair. How many girls in the room ever did this? Boys, it's different. We cut our hair with scissors when we were in grade school. How many boys ever did that? Come on. Oh, and it's a little crooked, so I'll fix it myself and I'll make it straight. And you just make it worse. So Ella's in this mess. She got the comb in her hair and she thought, surely if I just keep twisting it and pulling it, it'll come out. I'll fix the mess. Uh, here's, here's a giveaway I'll tell you in advance. She needed her father to help her out. And there's a story in there for all of us with fixing our mess in our lives. We need the father to help us out. Jonathan got in there. He, he got it out. The comb is no more. Ella's, Ella's hair is intact, but the comb suffered a dis- disastrous ending. It lost its teeth. It was gone. So there are things that we do. We think, oh, it's going to be great. I'll just fix it myself and everything will be okay. And we end up just making it worse. I I knew a guy at work one time. He actually was our boss for a little while when I worked at a hospital in Virginia. And uh, he ended up getting fired from the job for embezzling money from the company. And we found out later what had happened is he had a mess financially. And we found out, oh, he had tried to juggle this debt that he had by moving it and always opening new credit cards or trying to get a different loan to pay it off because people were coming due. And it got so overwhelming and so much that he couldn't fix himself that he ended up choosing to do something illegal and made the mess 10 times worse than it was when he just had the debt hanging over his head. Come on, there are, there are real things that we do to try to fix stuff that it just digs us deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and I won't go into specifics this morning, but how many of you have ever had a conversation where you were just sure, I'm going to say something that will fix everything. And you made it worse. I won't tell you how I know that this happens, but it does happen that you think, oh, I, I'm so sorry. I feel bad about how the situation went in this relationship. I know what to say. I'll go make it better. And then you come away from it just thinking, man, I really dug the hole deeper and deeper. 
And we get in messes and, and trying to fix your own mess really makes it worse most of the time. There are, there are some things you could noodle out, figure out how to do, fix your mess. But most often when we rely on our own strength, our own wisdom, our own resources, it just makes the mess worse. And we get in a place where we think, oh, you know, I thought I was covering up, but it just made it more obvious to everybody else. I thought I could, could get the comb out of my hair, but I just twisted it worse and made it more stuck. There are, there are some messes you could clean up, but there are some messes that you will never be able to fix by yourself. And one of those, one of those messes we were, we were all in at the same point in our lives, uh, we were in a mess spiritually where we needed Jesus to come fix us. How many of you have been there in your life? I, I tried to, to make myself okay. I tried to feel better about my relationships. I tried to run my own life, and I couldn't do it without a Savior coming to help me. And uh, maybe during the course of this series, we've been talking about Jesus stepping into the middle of our mess. Maybe over the course of this series, you've actually started to believe that, or you've seen Jesus come and transform something in your life. You've seen him change us in the middle of our mess. But the question still hangs out there for me, what about the mess? Has anybody else thought that during this series? Yeah, Jesus comes and works on us, but what about the circumstances all around us that we've really fouled up? Maybe I'm the only one that thought of that this morning. How many of you know there are very real things, there are consequences sometimes that are still around us even after Jesus comes and fixes us? We're concerned about the mess and its effects. Everybody can see it. We're still dealing with it. And they're still feeling the consequences of it. And in churches, we tend to only focus on the spiritual mess sometimes. We think, hey, you just need to come to Jesus and be saved. How many of you know there is a good truth in that? That is the first step. To, to getting out of our mess, is we really do need to come to Jesus and get saved. And it's pretty awesome that the first mess that Jesus really cleans up is the mess inside of us. And he comes and he makes all things new by the power of the cross and this blood that he shed. He renews our lives and makes us whole on the inside. And we especially like salvation because it deals with some aspects of our mess right away like that. The guilt and the shame that I was carrying around or lifted off my shoulders. The, the weight of sin that was weighing me down, trying to ruin my life, is gone. The relationship that we were created to have with Him is restored. How many of you have had that experience in your life? Man, I met Jesus, and He made everything new inside of me. Maybe you've even taken the step of baptism. Scripture talks about baptism is the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It's saying that, hey, you've renewed everything on the inside of me, and I want to follow you. I want, you, I want to, the newness that you put on the inside to begin to show on the outside. And that, here's a great verse. The power of sin and death is actually broken in our lives when Jesus comes to clean up our mess. In Isaiah, he promises this. Isaiah 43, 25. The Lord is speaking and he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. How many of you know that's good news? He, he, is, he doesn't remember the things that we remember sometimes. We, we tend to focus on the places we've blown it and the places we've hurt people. And God says, I don't remember it anymore. If you read through Scripture, God says He remembers His covenant. He remembers His love to thousands of generations. He, he remembers a lot of things, but one thing He intentionally says, I forget this, is our sin. Can we just take a minute and say, thank you, Jesus, that you forget our sins. He intentionally forgets our sins. He even remembers that we're human. There's, there's a verse that says, I know you're only dust and that I formed you. He remembers all that stuff, but he doesn't remember our sin. And I thought, I read that verse, I thought that's pretty awesome. But did you ever think about what does that verse really mean? Does, 
Does God walk into the room with the kids sitting in the middle of the green paint and say, how did this happen? Does he, does he look at Ella with the comb in her hair and say, I don't know who put that comb there. Come on, are we, do we ever think about what that verse means? That, that we, we still have all these consequences of sin around us, but God forgets our sin. So does God just show up in the middle of our mess and say, man, I have no idea how this happened. Somebody did something really bad here. That's not what he really means, is it? He forgets who we are that we used to be. When it says he forgets our sin, there's still a mess around us, but I don't think God forgot who put the comb in our hair or who spilled the green paint on the floor. He knows how, it's, how it got there. He knows how the mess happened, and he's actually happy that you invited him into the middle of it. He's not looking at our sin thinking, oh, I can't believe you screwed that up so badly that i got to come fix it. He's looking at it saying, man, I know what that happened, but I don't count it against you anymore. If you study that verse, the Hebrew word for remember, where it says he doesn't remember our sin, actually means to mention it, to recite it, or to make a list. How many of you have ever argued with somebody and you brought something up that you shouldn't have? Something that you thought, oh, we dealt with that a long time ago. Let's, let's not talk about that anymore. Let's, let's just make a fresh start and move forward. And then what happens? As soon as we get in the middle of the argument, we go back to our list. And we're like, aha, I'm going to hit you with that one again. Come on, we do it all the time. If you are married, you know exactly what I'm talking about this morning. Stop it. There's a, there's a message for the guys this morning, women you can listen to, but stop it. Let's not do that to each other because God doesn't do that to us. Literally, that verse where it says he remembers our sin no more means he doesn't keep bringing it up. He doesn't recite the list that we did. He doesn't go back and say, man, you, you big screw up. I can't believe that you did that again. He just looks at it and says, man, that's my son. That's my daughter. How, how are we going to clean this up? Let's move forward from here. When, when God says he lets go of stuff, he's not like us as humans where we keep bringing it up every argument that comes up after that. God literally looks at the mess and says, Let's work on fixing this. That's more what he's interested in. He knows what caused the mess, but he's more interested in fixing it. How do we repair the relationships that you've damaged? How do we dig you out of that hole of debt that you got in because you didn't make wise choices? How do we take care of the things that sin caused in your life? That's what it means when he says, I don't remember your sins anymore. He doesn't count them against us or define us in that way. He sees us as his children who need his help to clean things up. Man, he does really take care of our spiritual condition, and that is ultimately the most important part, but there really is sometimes a real mess that has affected other people that's still around us, even after we get saved. How, how many of you came to Jesus and there were still some messes in your life? How, how about this question? How many of us made a mess, even after we were Christians, this week? <laughs> Come on, there, there is nothing that says in Scripture that if you come to Jesus, a mess will never happen in your life again. But He is the one that has the answers. And uh, what about the rest of the mess? Come on, don't underestimate the effect of Him cleaning you up on the inside. That really does change how we see the circumstances and how we go through them and how we're able to cope. But I want to tell you this, some things that we do in life have very real consequences that have to be dealt with and have to be cleaned up and have to be repaired. Uh, I saw this. How many of you have ever seen the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? All right. Ten hands in the room. 
I loved it. Some people hated it. You can, you can have a split jury on it. But this is a quote from O Brother. They're driving down the road. Pete and Delmar just got baptized. And they had been bank robbers. And, and Pete says, the, the preacher baptized us. He said it absolved us. And Ulysses looks at him and says, you boys may be square with the Lord, but the state of Mississippi is a little more hard-nosed. How many of you know there are still some very real consequences to our actions even after Jesus saves us and cleans us and makes all things new inside of us? And that's what I want to talk about in the last couple minutes we have together. How do we deal with that stuff? And I wish I had easier ways or we had a silver bullet or a magic formula that we could just give everybody and, hey, everything will be fine if you just do A, B, and C. I would love to give that to you, but I don't. And what I have is, this is a key truth for you this morning. If you are in a mess, even after Jesus has cleaned you up on the inside, you felt the guilt and the shame go away, you feel like you're new on the inside, but you still see the effects of the mess, here's what you need to do. You need to be patient and do whatever God says. I wish I had some great big revelation for you this morning, but that really is the key to it. If there is a mess that still exists in our life, I need to be patient and look for what God says. Lord, I'm inviting you into the middle of this mess, Lord. I need your wisdom to get out of this. What's the first thing I should do? And whatever God speaks to you is what you need to do. This is not rocket science, is it? Look at your neighbor and say, that's too simple. Thank you. Now now look at your other neighbor and say, that's too hard. Because how many of you know we don't want patient We want things right now. That's what our society does. I want the answer yesterday. I want this to be resolved. Why can't we just leave it in the past and start moving forward? And some things take time. We have to be patient. And God may come and speak to you, and he may say, you need to go forgive that guy. And you're thinking, that's the last thing in the world I want to do, God. But it may be the first thing that he wants you to do to actually see the mess get cleaned up. And sometimes we don't want this road, but this is the key. We need to be patient, listen for his voice. His voice may come different ways. It may come when you're reading your, your Bible and a verse may jump out at you. How many of you know it may come through somebody in your family just saying something to you off the cuff and all of a sudden that moment something hits you inside and you're like, oh, I think God just talked to me. Whatever you hear is what you need to do. So consequences don't always disappear. How many of you know God is God? He could. There are some circumstances where he makes the consequences disappear. I I had a youth pastor one time that I was friends with, and he talked about this girl that came to youth group, and she got radically saved, and she had been a cutter. She, She had all these scars on her arms from where she would cut herself, and she got saved, and the scars disappeared. And, like, talk about taking away the consequences, like hey, I did that to myself, that was real, I should have to carry that the rest of my life. And in some moments, God really will even deal with the consequences. Praise God for those moments. In the moments where supernatural consequence absolving doesn't happen, we need to be patient and do whatever God says to do next. And that's how we dig out of the hole. Here's, here's a great verse uh, in Ecclesiastes, verse 7-8. It says, the end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. No matter where you are this morning, God can make it better. The end of a thing is better than the beginning. And what does that verse say? It says patience is better than pride. What is pride? In this situation that we're talking about, pride says I'm going to take the mess back into my own hands and figure out how to fix it. 
I'm going to go back to my plan, doing things my way. I got this, God. I don't need you. And patience is better than pride. Lord, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to ask you what I should do next instead of just assuming here's what I should do. And that's where we see his deliverance. That's what puts us on the road to the end is better than the beginning. And there is hope for us this morning. No matter how dark the mess looks, no matter how bad it looks, there is hope for us because Jesus is with us. In uh, Genesis 1-2, all the way back at the beginning of the story, in Genesis 1-2 it says, The earth was formless and void, and that darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The word darkness there literally means misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, and wickedness. How many of you have ever had a mess that those words would describe it? There was darkness over the whole earth at that time. That describes kind of the messes we find ourselves in. And the good news about our mess is the same as the good news about that mess that the earth was in. That's exactly where the Holy Spirit comes. And he begins to hover over the circumstances because he wants to bring something new and beautiful that hasn't existed before. He comes to create right in the middle of our mess. Thank you for that. Amen. It wasn't quite the volume of rose. I could let you practice if you want to say it a little louder. Amen. 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 Come on, the, the natural order of the world is everything moves towards chaos. Hey, there's, there's things are going to break down. Your body's going to break down. Everything's going to return to dust. The order of the kingdom is that everything in the end is better than the beginning. That God's divine purpose and order begins to unfold in our lives when we trust in Him. That is part of being kingdom people. Is Our expectations run opposite of what the world expects to see happen. But if you find yourself in the middle of chaos, it's okay. Because that's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to come and hover over that situation and begin to see something happen. And what does He do? It says right after the Holy Spirit hovered over the darkness, God spoke and said, let there be light. We said the first mess that Jesus cleans up in our lives is inside of us. And that's exactly what happened in our lives. The moment we said yes to Jesus, it was like God Himself came and said, let there be light. And His light came into our lives and began to dispel the darkness, began to take away the mess that was going on in our lives. And I think light was first for a reason. Light begins to deprive the darkness of its power. How many of you have ever had that experience where you've had something going on in your life and you haven't wanted anybody to know about it? And it's, it's, whether it's shame or guilt or whatever, we try to hide it. Same way that Adam did. He ran away in the garden trying to let God not see his mess like God didn't know what was going on. And we do these things, we try to hide it. And what happens when we hide it, that stuff stays in darkness and it gives it power in our lives. It actually lets it continue to grow and to cause death and destruction to happen. And the moment that the light comes, that stuff that we've hidden in the darkness is deprived of its power. And God says, I can begin to create some more stuff now. I can begin to do other things. And I, I don't want to unpack it all today because it's, it's Christmas season. We want to get off to other things today. Uh, but I will tell you, after the light, that was not where God stopped in creation, was it? How many of you know there were some other things that God did in that moment? Right after He created the light, it says God made the sky. He gave us room to breathe. He said, I know you're in the middle of a mess, but now you can see a little bit. Now you've got some space to breathe. Right after he created the sky, it says he created dry land. He gave us some place to stand on that we could have solid footing. Say, okay, let me get my bearings and see what's going on here. God, I need you in the, in the middle of this place to come. 
After he created the land, he began to create plants. He gave us something to feed on that would begin to produce fruit in our lives. Come on, we need to start with let there be light, but then keep walking through that process. Your, your mess will only stay a mess the rest of your life if you stop. If you don't do what God's asking you to do, if you don't put one foot in front of the other, the mess will stay messy. But if you begin to walk, you can trust him that there's more to that process. It starts with let there be light, but there is a lot more that he wants to do in our lives to begin to even clean up the consequences around us. When you're in that process, be patient and do exactly what God says. And he will help clean up the mess around us. Here's, here's a Christmas verse to end this morning. Matthew 4.16, uh, Isaiah was prophesying about Jesus' birth. And this is exactly what happened when Jesus came on the scene. It says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Whether it's coming to Jesus for the first time or giving him a mess that we've made since we've been Christians, we need to start with saying, man, I need the light to dawn in my circumstance. God, I need you to say, let there be light. I need to see Jesus walk into the middle of that place. And we need to know that the light has dawned. I don't have a very deep or complex action item for us this week. But I just want us to remind someone else around us that light has come. There are a lot of people, I mean, we're in this room. We could go around this room and talk about the messes that we all have and the circumstances we need. How many of you know it's hard enough to go through certain things in our lives when we know Jesus and we're here in this room with all of our friends and our family? How many of you know there are people out there in the world that are going through situations like we're going through, but they don't have Jesus in the middle of it? Think about how hard that is. Come on, come on with me for a second. It's hard enough to be in this room with the messes that we have and the weights that we're carrying, but thank God we're in this room. Jesus is here. He's in our lives. We're called to bear one another's burdens. We have a help and a support system to walk through these things, but there are people in the world that are trying to manage the stuff we're managing without Jesus involved in it at all. How hopeless is that? And we're ones that get to carry a message, especially this Christmas season, to say, you know what? The light has come. There, there was a time in my life when I was living in a great darkness. And Jesus came and the light dawned in my life. That's a message of hope that we get to carry to people even while we're working on our own mess. Come on. You don't have to have your mess completely resolved to tell somebody else there's an answer to the mess you're in. And that's part of what I want us to do even this week during Christmas. Remind someone that the light has come. Even, even, you may need to start with yourself. You may need to wake up tomorrow morning, look in the mirror and say, don't forget that the light has come, whatever you're dealing with. And it, it may sound different to everybody else. Do you know somebody that's lonely, the light coming could sound like, hey, what are you doing for Christmas? You need a place to eat. You need some family to be with. Well, that, that could be a reminder to somebody that light has come. Make, let's make it practical this Christmas season for where people are and what they need. Let's go ahead and stand. I'm trusting that if you're in this room this morning, you've got some good support system because you're here. You're at New Life. You're connected to some people that care about you. But I want to pray especially for people that we know who don't know Jesus. And so right now, uh, I just want you to close your eyes for a second and ask the Lord to bring somebody to your mind. Somebody that you know, maybe they're a friend, neighbor, relative, that, that they're living far from Jesus this morning. And they, could, they need to know that light has come and that Jesus could do something about their situation. And I'm believing right now that all around this room, somebody popped into your head.
that's who I want us to pray for right now. Even, even as I pray, I want you to lift that person up before the Lord. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm just thinking this, this is a good exercise for us to do because sometimes we think our mess is overwhelming and it's the end-all, be-all. And the moment we get our eyes off the mess and remember, I need to help others. Sometimes our, some, somehow our mess doesn't seem as big or as daunting. Lord, we come before you right now with people that we love. Lord, you see who it is. We're holding them in our heart. We're, we're thinking of them in our mind right now. You see who it is that needs to know you. Lord, we just ask that you would give us opportunities to be salt and light to them. That you would let us be carriers to remind them that there's hope. That there's a light that has dawned. That they don't have to live in darkness. That they don't have to suffer with the effects of sin ruling their lives anymore. God, help us to be witnesses for you wherever we go. We just... We just declare salvation over their life right now in every way, shape, and form that they need it, Lord Jesus. If they've never met you before and they need to start a relationship with you, we speak salvation over their life. If they had some history with you, but they've wandered off and they've forgotten that they're a son or a daughter, Lord, we speak salvation. We call them home this season. Lord, as much as we love our friends, our family, the people we're thinking of right now, I know it pales in comparison to the way that you love them. That you would step out of glory, that you would come be born in that manger, that you would go to the cross. Lord, let your love be felt by them this season. God, we take a moment to thank you for the light that's in our lives. up when you walked out of that tomb so that you could give it to us. And if, if you're in this room this morning and you've never taken that step where you've just said, I believe in you, Lord Jesus, that really is the first step to a life that's full and rich and satisfying, to know him. And you can do that today simply by saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God you died on the cross that you rose again and when you do that there's a life that comes alive inside of us if you've never done that before and you'd like to this morning uh, I'm just going to take a second even if you want to wave at me just want to see a hand real quick those of us in this room that do already have a relationship with you and I just declare let this season cause it to even come alive even as we heard the word reignite that hope and that joy and that love inside of us I thank you for this Christmas season being one that causes our life with you to become vibrant and alive that people around us would see it that it would be a life that maybe we've we've let it grow dull or it's just become commonplace reinvigorated this season Lord God cause us to be excited once again about our faith and the things that you've done in our lives let us not keep it to ourselves Lord God but let us tell everyone around us of your goodness God, bless us indeed, even as we leave from this place. 
I thank you that you go with us, that your spirit empowers us to live as overcomers in this world. We just say that we love you, we honor you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen.